Blog Talk Radio. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And today we are talking about, uh, is this greatest performances? What is this? <laughs> is, well, this is... We've been doing greatest performances of a feud, so I don't know if you want to change the title to greatest feud, greatest rivalry, whatever you want to do, but start yeah. we've done um, this is like the third or fourth consecutive show. We did Carlos Colon versus Stan Hansen. We did Steamboat Flair. Yeah, so I, I guess you could change this to the wrestling's greatest rivalry. Yeah. So we're 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 dealing with Iron Sheik versus Sergeant Slaughter, a classic, classic rivalry. Uh perfect for the historical time that uh was uh, unfolding. And um yeah, so we're gonna look at their three matches uh series uh in the in the mid eighties. Um, what which, what matches are we talking about here? Yeah, and I was in attendance inside the garden for two of these matches and next door at the Felt Four, which is now the theater in Madisonburg Garden, for the phenomenal, spectacular bootcamp match. April 23rd, 1984. May 21st, 1984. And June 16th, 1984. All three matches in front of a sold-out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and these matches prove that you don't even have to know one wrestling move to uh, to inspire a crowd because, I mean, they had a few in here, but uh, they were not the main features of this well, match. Well, you had Iron Sheik was a tremendous suplex guy because he was a real wrestler. He was a, he yeah, was a wrestler on the Iranian on the Iranian national team. But other than his suplexes, this yeah. was all brawling. Yeah, and, and you got two fantastic brawlers here. I mean, um, Iron Sheik, doesn't get the credit he deserves for being the worker that he was. These, he was... Are, these are the three greatest matches of Iron Sheik's career, and these are three of the best matches of Sergeant Slaughter's historic career. Sergeant Slaughter was a great worker, one of the greatest big man workers of all time, took some hellacious bumps, and in Madison Square Garden, Sergeant Slaughter's had some of the greatest matches in Square Garden history. Two of the matches that we covered on the greatest wrestling matches of all time Remember the Texas Death Alley match he had with Pat Patterson? That was a bloodbath. And the 1991 boot camp match he had with Hulk Hogan. Two matches that we covered on the greatest matches series. Yeah, and Sergeant Slaughter, in many ways, was the original Hulk Hogan. Um, he, he, I think he kind of inspired the same group of I don't fans. know. Him and Hogan both now. I'm going to break down how Slaughter became a good guy. How he became a fan favorite. And this uh, happened right after Hulk Hogan had defeated the Iron Sheik for the world title. Yeah, but wasn't his... Didn't he predate Hogan? No, he predated Hogan in the WWF. He didn't predate Hogan as a fan favorite. Oh, he was a he was a, a heel. That's right. He was a heel. That, that, um, I'm going to break it down to you right now. Let me, okay. let me run down how this feud began. All right, Iron Sheik wins the world championship December 26, 1983 from Bob Backlund, the WWF title. In which um, Iron Sheik it was the original. It's the original screw job, right? Well, it was it was a screw job, but but with both. See, Backlund wanted to lose the title without having to be pinned or submit, so right. this was their compromise. Oh, and okay. this started the angle where, all right, so the following month, uh, four weeks later, Backlund was supposed to get a, uh, his rematch against the Iron Sheik, but the doctors claimed his shoulder wasn't ready, so Hulk Hogan steps in destroyed the Iron Sheik in front of a sold-out Madison Square Garden, January 23rd, 1984. That begins Hulkamania. Right. Hulkamania era begins that night. Well, during this time period, 
Sergeant Slaughter is doing is a, is a heel, and he's doing promos talking about, I hear you, sheep. I don't like how you're bad mouth in America. Be be careful. And so little by little, Sergeant Slaughter is beginning his face turn. Finally, and I believe this was on a world championship. No, I'm a championship wrestling telecast either in February or March of 1984. Sergeant Slaughter is coming down the aisle after Iron Sheik wins the match. They bump into each other at ringside, and they have to be held from hitting each other. Slaughter challenges Sheik to a match the following week on television. Before the match begins, Iron Sheik attacks Sergeant Slaughter with the boot and beats him down. And this is the be- and this is what turns Slaughter face and begins this feud. Well, Slaughter is bloodied and battered, gets up, grabs the mic, and starts talk- starts leading the crowd in the Pledge of Allegiance. And that begins. This was late February, early March, 1984. That's exactly what they tried to do with uh, Jack Swagger. Uh, he uh, he was a heel, like America, you know. I know. He's not a pimple on Sergeant Slaughter's ass. I know. But they did they did try to do this again. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. The All-American, All-American gets the fuck Yeah, and then they turned him face against Rusev. So it was sort of the same same deal. Yeah, I mean. But not as not as effective, not nearly. In fact, that was a fucking lower mid card. This is a main event act here. So. This is a main event act, and at this point now, at this point in time, the WWF is hot. I mean, they're simply hot for all people because of you know they they, they waged war against the NWA and the AWA. They stole a whole bunch of talent: Hulk Hogan, Doctor D, David Schultz. I mean, the, the Jesse the Body Ventura. They stole a whole lot of talent. And yeah, they basically the stole the entire AWA. Yeah, a whole bunch of uh, acts from the AWA and a whole bunch of acts from Crockett, Roddy Piper, right. Great to Hammer Valentine. So they they start this war and the garden is red hot to the point, Logan, where Hulk Hogan doesn't have to headline matches the garden. Now historically, the WWF champion always main evented Master Square Garden. But the WWF had so many great faces on top. Tito Santana, Superfly Sucker, Sergeant Slaughter now, that Hogan didn't have those main event every month. And so in April of 1984, in his very first match, April 23rd, 1984, the main event is Slaughter Sheik without Hogan, and it sells out the garden. Yeah, and, and um, so I guess, I don't know why I always thought that uh, Sergeant Slaughter preceded Hogan, but... Um, I thought he was in the AWA um, as wasn't he? He was he went there later. That's right. Okay, I guess. Slaughter went to the AWA after this feud at the end of night eighty four, early eighty five. So where did where did he get start? Where did he get started? Sergeant Slaughter began as a mass wrestler. I believe he he was one of the Super Destroyers, and then uh, I could be. I think WWF. 1979-1980 was the first time he had the Sergeant Slaughter gimmick. Then he oh. went to Crockett, Mid-Atlantic with it, and he was he had a huge run in Crockett. Drew Big Money. Had, yeah, had I remember. Tag, had a great tag team feud with Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood with his partner Don Canoodle. And he was also United States champion in, in Mid-Atlantic, feuding with Wahoo McDaniel. 
Yeah, he's and and his um, gimmick, I guess they didn't copyright it for themselves because he was carrying it wherever he went. And uh, was he a real sergeant? No. He he was. I don't know if he was a drill sergeant. I know he was a Marine. Okay, so he was really in the Army. And, yeah, he came to really – I mean, and he paired up also, I remember, with G.I. Joe for a couple episodes. Um, he was, like, right up there. They, I think they had made an action figure of in the G.I. Joe for which is, him. Which is what led to his um, leaving the WWF for the AWA. Oh, they had a dispute over that? Yeah, we'll talk about that after we talk about okay. these matches. Let's get into the first match, April 23rd, 1984, in front of a sold-out Madison Square Garden, Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik in the first of this trilogy. Yeah, so Sergeant Slaughter, man, like, and whenever you turn a, a guy who's a big-ass, badass heel into a face, you know, this happened with Piper, and now with him, I mean, it happened with Piper later, but the point is, this one, he's got um, and nuclear... And happened with Hogan in the AWA before he came back to the WWF. Right. And, and, and that's a perfect, it's a perfect formula if you can get a guy of a monster over to do that with and, uh, you know, they kind of done it with Brock Lesnar uh, today, but not nearly as big. As, but as it, wor- it worked perfectly with Slaughter because he was always the drill the Marine. And so we're in the era of Ronald Reagan. We're in the era of patriotism. We're in the era of Rambo, Rocky. You know, we, so this is perfect, perfect timing for a face turn. Yeah, and it's interesting because that drill sergeant is probably the one from uh, what Full Metal Jacket that he's imitating, kind of. So Full Metal Jacket came later. Um, Slaughter started in seventy nine, eighty. I just think he, he his experiences in the Marines was part what he probably based it on. We always know, Logan, that the best wrestlers, the the ones that get over the most, are ones that are closest to their real life persona. Yeah. Well, I think he there was a, just a general idea that the drill sergeant was an asshole, and so it would make a good heel. But then you're right in eighty in eighties with Reagan and the patriotism and all that shit, all that shit to distract us from uh, others stealing from us. They, from, they from, make from a, um, Reagan stealing, stealing. Uh, we can't get any work. The whole nine of the economy in, in yeah. the toilet. Yeah. yeah. Just like fucking uh, giving tax cuts to the rich. The point is, I don't want to get political here, but the point is Reaganomics. The high economics, he's like, we go with China. Yeah. Down that wall. <laughs> we need to make this. It was, and it was all kayfabe because the, the, the Russia was fucking imploding anyway. Yes. So, yes. Yes. so it was great. I mean, but he played it. I mean, you got to give it to Reagan, man. He probably was the greatest worker in presidential history. So, um, hey, look, look, he was an actor. So he continued acting. Yeah. Did a good job with it. So, so we have this uh, this patriotism and this rah-rah America, and then we get G.I. Joe, the cartoon. Everything is, like, pointing this way. You know, this is just a trend, man. He was perfectly situated there. He was pretty old at this point, it seemed to me, to be somebody yeah, that... He's, he's definitely in his 40s by this point, and so is the IG. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty interesting because they a lot of, a lot of wrestlers, like, it just ends up that they peak, really, when they're, like, in their 40s and shit, so... Late yeah. 30s to early 40s, yes. It takes a while to get a name and to learn how to just be a, a good all-around wrestler. So you have here uh, him going up against the Sheik. Now, the Sheik, we talked about him being part of the Olympic, or he was in the Olympics, or he was just part of the team? I believe he was part of the either 64 or 68 Olympic Iranian team. Yes. But no medals for him. And, no, he no medals, and he was the bodyguard of the Shah. 
of Iran. Oh, that's even crazier, man. And yeah, and he was just perfect for this. Um, he did have, I mean, a lot of people claim that uh, he was like Nikita Koloff and that he didn't even have the accent, but he did. Uh, um, the Iron Sheik was a legit Kazov, his real name, is a legit Iranian, was on the Iranian Olympic team and was the bodyguard of the show of Iran. Yeah. So he comes and, and he's, he's, you know, his act is just like awesome, you know, Iran number one, USA, and uh, he comes, and of course, this pisses off the Patriot. It's bound to happen, man. I mean, it's just like, and it's a perfect feud. So they, they, he comes down off of this beat, beat down that he got. Um, he's so angry, he's a ball of fire, and he comes into this match and just starts taking the Sheik apart, ripping his uh, headscarf. And, uh, and the crowd is going apeshit because they want to see the... And also, I want to mention one other thing. This comes on the heels of the Iranian hostage crisis that didn't end until 1981. So this is the perfect feud for Slaughter and Sheik to evolve for the WWF to engage in. And you didn't have any political correctness back then like they have today. I mean, they went full front. I mean, if... if, if 911 happened in the 80s when Reagan was president. First of all, he would have nuked, he would have nuked Saudi Arabia or some shit. Second of all, this fucking feud would have been even even bigger because they would have they would have been talking about killing people. <laughs> well, they, it was weird because they tried to do that with 911, yeah, but, but the, I think the, the sponsors the sponsors shut them down. Yeah, it was too it's too raw, you know. I mean, they, it was a few hostages. I think it made sense that back then because it wasn't as like you know, the Iranians weren't fucking cutting off heads and shit like that. They were, they were just holding hostages now and then, and then letting them go and shit. So, kind of our number one enemy, though. But I mean, bullshit enemy. We're so much more powerful than anyone. But yeah. the point is, we yeah, everybody our number, has... one, our number one enemy was the USSR at the time. Right. But Iran was always loosely affiliated with uh, Russia. So there you go. Yeah. But it was perfect. So yeah, you have this. This, and it was a perfect thing for him to go into after losing the title to Hogan. Kept him uh, Iron Sheik relevant. He comes in. Now, where did he start off? Just give a little rundown of where... Uh, Iron Sheik was trained by Vern Gagne. And Ed Vern Gagne hired him as a trainer to help train Ken Patera, Ric Flair, a whole super wrestler. So, yeah, that's where he began, the AWA. Yeah, and I remember Iron Sheik used to do these demonstrations with these uh, batons that were like... And, I think and like led to him winning the WWF title because a week before he wrestled Backlund in the garden, Bob Backlund did the challenge and Iron Sheik attacked him and killed him with the club. Yeah, and he was always meant to be a, tradi- a transitional guy, you know, to get to Hogan. He was but the it, perfect transitional champion because Hogan, this is Reaganomics, Reagan America, Hulkamania begins. By, by him defeating the evil Iranian. Yes, with the leg drop. And very, it was a squash match. He just fucking destroys him. But this kind of brings back Iron Sheik's power because he beats up uh, a tough guy like Slaughter and he gets into competitive, competitive stuff with him. And they go pretty much 50-50 if, you know, but inside the match, I mean, I think, you know, obviously Slaughter gets the better but um, up at the end, but it's it's pretty even, you know, like, it's not like it's all soldier beating the shit out of Iron Sheik. Like, in this first match... Do you you can't let the evil Iranian just get destroyed. You gotta build the heat. And yeah. you know, Sheik, he uses the boot. I mean, uh, he throws... I love the way... He throws slaughter to the post, which was great. Slaughter takes that, 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 that 
really put over the Iron Sheik's strength, his power, and also that boot where if you bang it against something for three times, somehow it gets loaded and cocked. It's like complete bullshit, but it's perfect. Yeah. Cause it's, anytime someone uses the boot, whether it's Slaughter or Sheik, they have to hit it three times on something. So that you know, I guess the the weight that's supposed to be in it and, comes and, to and the that's front. how the Iron Sheik wins this match. Slaughter's just using the boot. Yeah, which he got kicked with in the beatdown. So of course that's justice. But he's yeah, he's carried away. All he wants to do is hurt the Sheik, and he starts nailing him with the boot. And uh, Sheik's fucking getting you know the shit beat out of him. Um, but also, you know, you're right. Um, there there is one wrestling move in this. So, some fucking gut wrench suplex, maybe a suplex. Yeah, a gut wrench suplex that time. <laughs> and and a suplex by Slaughter. But other than that, it's just fucking punches and like I mean, not not even like fast stuff here. We're talking about like they really build this up. Oh, like this looks like this looks like a real fight. This looks like two guys that hate each other in the back room of a of a bar that had one too many drinks. Yeah, nobody gushes blood in this one. This is uh, pretty short, uh, just to set up the feud here. And uh, it ends with, uh, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter getting carried away. Now, was he disqualified or were they both? He was disqualified. Iron Sheik was by disqualification. Sets up the rematch the following month. Right. So then we get the um, this next match. It's um, Where is this? And 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 uh, this is the one where you went. I went to I went to the first match we discussed, and I went to this match. Now this match is different. This card is different because the main event is Hulk Hogan versus Doctor D. David Schultz, and this match, this this guard, this, this the guard is completely sold out. I was up at the cheap seats; I couldn't get to the seats for this one, and it sold out so quickly that they that the Phil Forum was also open, and they sold out the Phil Forum next door. Wow. They will show it on the closed circuit screen in the Phil Forum. And this is during the time, Logan, where Madison Square Garden matches every month were on MSG Network. But people, like, well, cable was in the city, only certain parts of Manhattan and certain parts of Brooklyn and Queens had. The Bronx totally had no cable. So even though MSG was showing it, people would still flock to the garden because they didn't have cable. Amazing, yeah. This thing, I just, it's like I bet they didn't even realize it would get over so big, but man, it did. Um, what other feuds were going on around this time? That all right, were, at this time, now Hulk Hogan wasn't involved in any feuds. In 1984, Hulk Hogan basically wrestled the, the biggest, like because they were expanding. Hulk Hogan would wrestle a guy that you that was a heel that you knew in that territory. Like when he would go to Minneapolis, he would wrestle either Jesse Ventura or Dr. D. David Schultz. In New York, he would wrestle whoever the hottest heel at the moment was. On this card, it was Dr. D. David Schultz. He beat, he destroyed Dr. D. David Schultz in a little bit over five minutes. Uh, the stuck-up, they held off until June or July to show on television. Yeah, that was an awesome, another classic. Who's writing all these angles here? At the time, George Scott was the booker. But these are so simple, man. I don't know if even they get over. I don't no, even know. If... George Scott. George Scott is a legendary booker. George Scott was the one who booked Mid Atlantic into prominence in the 1970s. George Scott was a great booker. Uh, by the time he got to WCW in 1989, he was way past. You know, he was he was a fossil. But in, in at the beginning of the, the WWF expansion, 1984, 1985 through 86, 
George Scott was a tremendous reason why they were destroying the world with his booking. Okay, well let's let's talk about this uh, match here. Okay, so we get into um, this. Of course, it ends up the same way. Sergeant Slaughter attacking uh, the Iron Sheik early, getting the early advantage. You know, the crowd going insane, even louder than last this time. time. This time, Slaughter is busted open. Yeah, he's busted open by the shoe, ostensibly. But and you see him. And by being thrown into the post, which he doesn't right. let anybody. Yeah. Yes, and so and he, and there's this one is like, I see Iron Sheik hits hits him with the chair, but he doesn't get disqualified. Um, it just kind of they let it go. I oh, guess. No, no, the referee, the referee is trying, and I believe the referee was Danny Davis in this match. The referee right. doesn't want to disqualify anybody. He's giving both. Wrestlers an opportunity, but then they start shoving him out the way. They won't. They won't. They're fighting over the food. So finally, they oh, back to the first match, Logan. Florida was so upset that he got disqualified that he attacked Iron Sheik in the back, in the locker room area. And you see this McMahon, oh, a great work, and like, come on, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> That's perfect heat building shit. So they like. And McMahon, if you can see that, he's heavily on the juice because that suit, he's about to explode out that fucking suit he's wearing. Yeah, his back muscles are, like, incredible. So, <laughs> this so, match, the second match, they both shoved Danny Davis to the, a couple of times to the floor. Danny Davis finally called for the bell, and you have several wrestlers trying to break it up as they are brawling out of control and slaughter a bloody mess. My God, and this... Yeah, he was. They, I think they. This is where they disqualified both of them at the end, right? Yeah, right. And then after the ring is cleared, Florida picked up the microphone, the bloody, beaten face, leading the crowd in the pledge of allegiance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Before you get to that, though, talk about you're in this. You're here. You're watching this thing live. Okay. Yes. So, like, what, what, what? Some of the stuff you remember. I mean, do you remember like? How far were you from the ring? And oh yeah. man, I was up. I was up in the blue seats, which are the cheap seats. So, I mean, it, it was. And I had a pair of binoculars. I had to. <laughs> they looked like fucking ants on the floor. But I will tell you about the crowd. Man, there was no. Oh, well, I know. There was no. No fucking. Uh, Apathy. K saying, "Oh, oh, this guy. Oh, so I just his real name was Robert Reeves. Oh, none of that shit." Motherfuckers hated the Iron Sheik. There wasn't anybody in the garden that night fucking who's on the Iron Sheik. Standing on our seat. That's amazing. You know, that's, that's, uh, maybe, maybe, um, the newsletters. I was years old at the time. I know wrestling, but goddamn, I'm like, Florida, kill this motherfucker. You know why, dude? Maybe it's the newsletters that killed the because all the fans now they read the newsletters and they know the inside information. So the crowd was ridiculous that night. I mean, I lost my voice that night, and then when we were leaving the garden that night after the match, everybody was screaming. And you know, coming from the garden, there's long there's a long walk from the garden down the stairs through the tunnels to the subway. All you oh, it it wasn't. No one was chanting Hulk Hogan who beat Dr. D. David Schultz that night in, in the main event. No, it was USA, USA, USA. Right, okay. So this is why I think that Hogan, because you remember in the beginning, he was not like the great American guy. 
He was like just Hulk Hogan. You know, he became the great American guy after Florida left the WWF. Yeah, so he kind of took his gimmick. And I heard he took his song. I heard that song. No, 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 no. The Real American was made for Barry Windham and Michael Tucker. Oh, okay. But when but, Barry Windham left to go to, to, to the Florida, then they took the, 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 the song away from them and gave it to Hogan. I even heard Hogan heard it and it's just like, fuck you, that's my song. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, oh, whose song is that? No, it's not. Real American was originally for the U.S. Express, Barry Windham and Michael Tucker. Because uh, remember, Barry Windham and Michael Tucker used to come to the ring to board in the USA. By the right. Way. Yeah, America, America. The WWF didn't want to pay any more royalties, so their own song, they were like, Junkyard Dog used to come to the ring of uh, Another One Bites the Dust. They made right. that horrible grab, grab them cake. Yeah. And Real Terrible. American was probably the best of a bad bunch of songs. Oh, song. it's a horror. Real American is a horrible song, but it's it's classic, you know. It's like that song in Rocky Four where he's like driving in the car. Like that song. Oh, well, so, that was perfect for the montage, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it was a terror. I mean, it's like such a cheese ball, fucking like. It was a cheese ball ball. Well, the eighties, the the era of cheese balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so great. Real American Man is that a cheese ball song? But it has. I mean, when people hear it today, they still pop for it. That's. I mean, that's one of the main casualties of Hogan's. That's that's a huge pop wherever they play that. You know. No, so, as soon as they go. Yeah. And then wherever you were, the place would go bananas. So that that thing was a success. Say what you want about the cheese. Sometimes you need it to be cheesy, you know? Like, look at John Cena's song. That's just cheese ball fucking rap. To uh, the but mind. let me tell you something. And um, I, the last garden card I attended uh, was uh, two years ago this summer with my ex-girlfriend and her son at the Nassau Coliseum. And the minute that song came on, the place went bananas. So you're right. thinking about that. But it's, 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 it's a crazy beat, though. Yeah. That's a great hook. That's a great fucking hook. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still cheese ball too, the way he's, he's what he's well, saying. Well, the lyrics are horrible, but the yeah. fucking beat is, you know, you're a rapper. The beat is amazing. Yeah, the beat is sick, and uh, yeah. and he definitely rides the beat very well with his rap, so... So props to John Cena, but but yeah. So the last, the last, the last card, the last wrestling card I attended it was the first card I attended in 13 years. Um, I take my ex girlfriend and her son she was, was a 12 years old at the time, huge wrestling fan. So we went to the Nassau Coliseum and John Cena was the main event, and the crowd went crazy. So did that. Well, it's like when Stone Cold came out with that broken glass, man. That was and like. Thing, and, one thing, and one thing I give Cena credit. Now I had this one in imagination. When the match was, when the matches ended, there was an elderly lady in the front row. Cena stopped and talked to that lady for about five minutes. So, um, my ex girlfriend and her son and I were sitting sitting in, the, in our seats, and we were waiting for the crowd to disperse before we left. And we noticed that it was like this guy's a genuine good guy. He sat. He stood there and talked to this elderly lady. This lady, lady looked like she was in her seventies or eighties. He talked to this lady, and you know that's rare for an athlete to do. I have to give Cena props for, for that. I mean, you you could tell that he's a real good dude. And when I found out that he's the leader in uh, what you call that? that uh, make a wish. 
you make a wish. Yeah, he, he he really loves people from the heart. I got to give him credit. So, okay, oh, yeah, you know. He's a good yeah. guy. He's a good guy. Say what you want about whatever. Yeah. He's a good guy. So, yeah, let's go back to this. He got um, – so this next match, after uh, they get double DQ'd, it's they bill as a boot camp match. And now, this is main event, once again, I couldn't get tickets to the guard. I was able to get tickets to the closed circuit next door at the Soap Forum, which is now the theater at Madison Square Garden. So – the final match, the boot camp match, June 16, 1984. Um, other than when Hulk Hogan defeated Deion Sheik, this was the loudest I ever heard Master Square Garden. Now, I wasn't inside the garden. The felt form was going bananas. Between the felt form going bananas and the screen vibrating with the, with, with the I don't think you could have gotten any louder. This was, yeah, you got a double, you got like a double treatment of it. Cause like I got, you got a double because I had the felt form as, as a big screen. Screaming in my head. Well, I was screaming too. It was just, I'm surprised there wasn't a, a, a fucking earthquake somewhere on 34th Street. Hey, you probably had a better view there than you would have had in the. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, because I was in a, I was in a, you had 100, 200 section. I was in a 200 section, and every seat is a good seat to throw ball when you're watching boxes. So you see the big screen. Every seat was a good seat. So, yeah, we got to see this entire match live and in color. And in a movie, like a movie size. And it was like it was like a real life Rambo movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that's that's perfect too. That's another thing that was a big trend is is Rambo at well, the at time. Well, at the time, the second one hadn't come out yet. First Blood had come out the year before. Okay, but that was big, and then yeah, everybody knew that the next one was coming. I mean, it was in the it was in the air, man. The soldier. Yeah, I mean, you had, like, Delta Force. You had fucking... Uh... You had a lot missing in action. You had a lot of movies around this time. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, we get this, this match here. It's a boot camp match. It was essentially a false count anywhere match, right? You had to pin him, and it was a false count. You could pin him on the floor. It's a boot camp match, false count anywhere. And the, and the boot camp thing, what does that add to it? Anything? Well, Nothing, it's, a, really. it's a no disqualification match. Basically, okay, it's all... It's a they success just, match, but we'll call it a boot camp match. They just call it a boot camp match because it's Sergeant Slaughter, okay? Because you have Sergeant Slaughter as, you know, drill sergeant boot camp, and you have Iron Sheik with the illegal boots. So they, send out, they send out uh, Sheik first, of course, cursing the crowd. Then they have they send out the flag by itself, Old Glory. Yeah. Uh, and then they send out... Um, I mean, man, do they really belabor this shit? But it builds, it builds. Yeah, it you know? builds, man. We we were like, God damn, when Slaughter coming in? Oh, come on, let's go, let's go. We yeah, were... finally Slaughter's coming in. He comes, takes his fucking time, he gets in the ring, and uh, and then it starts up real fast. You know, the fucking fighting. This was a nonstop sixteen-minute bloodbath. This yeah. is one of the greatest death matches in the history of wrestling. It was fucking disgusting. I mean, it was it was really voted, something they would never do today. By, and it was voted by several publications as the number one match of the 1980s in the World Wrestling Federation. But this was like a departure from where they thought they were their bread and butter was. Well, you see, the reason being, George Scott was the booker. George Scott is traditional wrestling. He's traditional blood and guts guy. Vince McMahon wants entertainment, but George Scott is his booker. George Scott wants wrestling, so... There you go. In 1984, Hulk Hogan bled almost every night. I see what you mean, just a little bit, yeah. And and and, and there was also just like um, 
I guess maybe a little more leeway because it's an MSG show. I'm not sure. I mean, but it, they, it seems like it, in the MSG shows, they got a little bloodier. Yeah, yeah. In, in 1984, you had blood galore in, in MSG. You're right, especially Hogan and Slaughter and Stucker. Yeah, it was a thing. And, and, and maybe it's a New York thing, too. I mean, um, but... It's the East Coast thing because New York, Boston, and Philly were always considered, you know, the hardest of the hardcore fans. Okay, so yeah, so I mean that that and that was the trend in uh, in Crockett too at around this time. I mean to go especially at least, when they came to Philadelphia. You're right. Yeah. So they these guys go at it here. I mean just back and forth here. I mean I, I they go in. They're in. They're out of the ring. They're in the ring. I mean none of this stuff is like none of these moves. I mean. I, I almost feel like some of these moves don't even look that good, you know? Like, and finally, finally, Logan, if, if you ever watch, if you ever see the greatest matches of Madison Square Garden, WWF, uh, WWE put out a DVD a couple of years ago, this match is on there. Slaughter introduces the match by saying, he bloodies me all the time. I could never, I could never bloody him. I could never hurt the Iron Sheik. Finally, the Iron Sheik is busted open in this match. And we went crazy because we knew this. We were like, Lord, it keeps bleeding. Why did I see it doesn't bleed? I'm saying this in front of all these other people. And finally, when he starts bleeding, we start high-fiving each other. <laughs> yeah, they made – no, but it was great, man, because they really brought the crowd in. You know, the crowd, when 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 um, Sergeant Slaughter's getting beat down and he's, like, selling like hell, the crowd is trying to big, you know, Let up him. Let me tell you something, Logan. Iron Sheik wins this boot camp match. He doesn't leave matches by going a lot. Right. But he, but they make they it so close. They will kill that Iranian bastard. He will get shot if he tries to leave Madison Square Garden. All right. So they make they it so him. close. This is perfectly booked. There's the evil heels. Gotta lose. Gotta lose. No. So they they get. I mean, the the ending sequence is really the the main thing here because oh, they go. Oh, it was sensational. They're both knocked out. They're both going after the boot that's by the rope. They're both struggling to get the boot. Sean yeah, and they... who had landed a spectacular clothesline prior to this. Picks up the boot, gets up, they both get up, hits him like he's hitting a home run off the park. He hits him right down the middle of his forehead. Iron Sheet goes down, smaller collapses on top of him. One, two, three. Madison Square Garden goes ballistic. Everybody's jumping up. The Bell Forms go ballistic. I'm losing my hearing at the Bell Forms. It was total pandemonium. Oh, my God. But the, but the build was great because you had. First, okay, but let's step back a little bit before this finish, okay? So you have Iron Sheik. Uh, 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 Sergeant Slaughter gets the advantage and, like, gets a huge clothesline, I think. And then clothesline, one of the greatest clotheslines in the rest of history, the, the Slaughter Cannon. Yeah, and he, he, but Iron Sheik kicks out. Then right. Iron Sheik gets, I think, like, two different suplexes on fucking right. Right. Sergeant Slaughter. Right. And, it's, and I think instead of going for the cover, he starts taking off his boots. He goes then, for the boot, right? Right, and then the boot, um, he loses, he loses like the boot. I think the referee stops him or something like that. And the, but at one point they're both reaching for the boot. It's that like, was great. It was like Rocky Two when they both trying to beat the couch. Both yeah, so Sheik are going after the boot. Right, so it's it's in the corner of the ring, and they both have to lunge for it, and their tip, their tips of their fingers are about to touch it, and one, it, it, whoever gets this boot is going to win this match, you know. And, and what, so makes he, it, what makes it what makes it even more oh authentic? They're both bloody. 
scattered and exhausted from this grueling brawl, this grueling war, this grueling match. And you know, we we're participating we, in the inside the forum. I mean, come on, Florida, get get the boot, get the boot. Don't let me see get the boot because we know whoever gets the boot with the match. Right, and so Sergeant Slaughter grabs the boot, fucking tees off, and yeah, just that the I could hear the explosion in the crowd. They were so with this thing, and, and Slaughter uh, gets up, bloody, battered, victorious, and wow. I mean, a, a fitting end to this feud, and then unfortunately for Slaughter, it's all, it's all downhill from here because he gets in a feud. He still feuds with the Irish and Nikolai Volkov, and he has different tag team partners. But then in the in the winter, December of '84, he gets into an argument with McMahon. GI Joe approaches Sergeant Slaughter to become a character in their cart- upcoming cartoon series and comic book. Slaughter signs to tell Slaughter, "No, we were LGN, LJN, LJN was making the WWF figures. No, I'm not letting you do that." Slaughter's like, "You're not letting me do what?" So that led to w- the Slaughter leaves the WWF and goes to the AWA, which was a huge mistake on both. McMahon and Slaughter's part because Slaughter was never as big as he ever was again after he left the WWF. No way, man. And he was red hot, dude. Like, he should have just said, fuck you to, like, G.I. Joe, man. They could have... Uh... But they, they offered him a lot of money. I don't know. You know, you have to... They, they put the money on the table and you're, you're one of the hottest commodities in wrestling and the AWA gave him more money than the WWF was paying him at the time. So, while it was, in hindsight, it was a mistake... You never know, Logan, if you, you, you they, only, they put the cash in front of you, what you're going to do. Yeah, and I remember him in the AWA going up against, like, Boris Zukov and shit, right? Yeah, he was going up against Kamala, Sheik Kamala. He would wrestle the, 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 the foreign menace of the most. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he kind of propped up the territory for a little bit after Hogan. Um, but not, you know, it was already way going down at that point. Um, but, yeah, I mean... His, I just think that like he was. I don't think there's been a guy as much, you know Hogan. I kind of compare to him, but he's definitely different. I mean, there's, I guess Colonel didn't Colonel Kirshner kind of do it. Oh, that they brought in Corporal Kirshner to take Slaughter's uh, place, and McMahon would do this whenever he loses a star. He'd bring in a a a, a low budget copy version. Copy. Yeah. When Barry Windham left, he brought in Dan Five. <laughs> when Sergeant Slaughter left, he brought in Corporal Kirster. When Superfly Stickle left, he brought in C.D. Office. All three, tremendous fails, epic fails. Yeah, when Holland Nash left, he brought in a fake Holland Nash. I mean. <laughs> He's always trying to, to bring back somebody as a replica. No, no, it wasn't the gimmick. It was the person that was in the gimmick, right? Yeah, but I just don't know if I don't know if Sergeant Slaughter would have got over as just some other wrestler. I don't. I think he's he's perfect for that. No, he's perfect because, like we always mention, Logan, the best the wrestlers that get over the best are the ones focused to their real life persona. Yeah, and you know he's still like I mean he had a pretty long career too. Even though I mean he ended up coming back to the WWF as a man. And he had a tremendous run in '91 with the title and. The matches with Hogan, that boot camp match he, he, he talked about on the Wrestling Greatest Matches series was a, a sensational match. Okay, so he goes to AWA and then he comes back in the 90s? He comes back in late 90s as a as a Turco, as a Sheik Adnan Al Casey, now becomes General Adnan, and being that he looks just like Saddam Hussein, they built that on the Gulf War. 
He must have got a lot of shit for that. Like turning. I was at a guard card early in '91, right before he wins the WWF title at um at um when he beat the Royal Rumble. He beat he beat uh, Ultimate Warrior at the Royal Rumble. I was at a card a couple of weeks before that, Madison Square Garden. That he he got as a as a rule breaker as a turncoat was ridiculous. They would yeah. throw shit at him. Yeah, I bet, I bet, man. It's like. They really took this shit seriously, and it's kind of a fucked up move. I mean, like Hulk Hogan when he turned uh, heel. I mean, they got a lot of garbage thrown his way. Well, the reason uh, the reason Florida turned heel was he was broke, and McMahon said the only way you coming back is if you're a traitor. Florida didn't want to do it, but he had no choice. Man, McMahon always has to have his revenge, the motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like putting Dusty Rose in polka dots. Same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so he comes. So he's um. This feud, though, of course, will go down in history as his greatest. Yeah, um, yeah without a doubt, that 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 was his greatest, the greatest feud that him and the Ashley ever appeared. That's why this is on this broadcast. And then next week, we'll be talking about another great feud from 1984 to 1985 in the WWF: Tito Santana versus Great the Hammer Valentine. Oh, one of the matches that occurred that night on June 16, 1984. Another great match. This this car was a great car, you know. Somebody wait, didn't didn't Tito get his leg broken? Yes, that's all part of that feud. Yes, I remember that. That was a big deal. All right, well, the, they both do the figure four, don't they? Well, Santana starts using it as revenge against Valentine, but not.